All right. That was a quick turnaround right there. We, uh, we're going to continue on in our sermon series right now. And uh, we're in this sermon series called Walking Wisely. We're looking at different passages from the book of Proverbs. I hope that you've been enjoying this study. I also hope that during the week you've been spending time in the book of Proverbs. If not, I'd encourage you to do that. We have several more weeks in, the, uh, in this book, just a couple more weeks actually in this, in this book. And so in your first 20, in your personal time with the Lord, open the book of Proverbs and allow the Lord to speak to you in that. Our proverb for today comes out of chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, and I'm entitling this sermon, Words Matter. I want to talk to you about our words. Words matter. I found a study that was conducted in 2007. It was a study led by Dr. Matthias Meal, and it was published in the scientific journal entitled Science. And he researched 396 people. Half of them were women, half of them were men. And he traveled with them. He actually put these recording devices around their necks so that he could hear everything that they were saying. How would you like that? How many of you would raise your hand to be a part? Hopefully they got paid for that. What he wanted to discover, one of the things was he wanted to discover how many words the average person uses in a day. And so he found out that the average person, if you could take a guess, how many do you think an average person gives in one day? Just yell out an answer. What do you think? You have no idea. You have no idea. Four? I can't hear you. A thousand? Two thousand? Ten thousand? I feel like I'm on the price of right. 16,000 words the average person gives. Now, I know some people ask me this, well, what about women compared to men? (laughs) Actually, I'm just going to debunk some myths here right now. They found that actually men and women average about the same. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yep. So um, also, some of you may, you know, be on the higher end of that average, okay? You probably don't know who you are, but we'll tell you later. And then there are some other folks who probably are are much lower than the 16,000. But average is 16,000 words a day. That's about 64 pages in a book. Like if you read 64 pages out loud. That's a lot of words, isn't it? 16,000 words a day. As I was thinking about these 16,000 words, I thought to myself, wow, it's really interesting. You would think that if you just kind of misused or misplaced a hundred of those words, it really wouldn't matter. Maybe if just even three of those words, you know, you wish you could take back, I'm sure the other 15,993 or whatever would, would drown out those three misplaced, those three words you regret using. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Wow, I should at least have just three words. Man, if I could just have one word that everyone would forget that I could just use one time a day, wouldn't that be nice? I mean, I'm using 16,000 words. How could everybody just remember three of them that I use or four of them that I use? Uh, that can't be true. They, they, they must drown out those three. Don't you think so? No. In fact, the, that one word might be the only word your closest loved ones and friends remember you saying that day at all. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? 
where a couple words misplaced, a couple words misused can be the only words the people around you remember. This tells me that words matter, don't they? Words matter. And the opposite is true. Three well-placed words, five well-placed words with intentionality and and purpose, with, with prayer around them, can change somebody's life for the better, right? Have you ever received a word that just, it changed your life forever? Words, they matter. Knowing that words matter, I wanna share two things with you to start this message. And knowing that my words matter, and I hope that these words will be a blessing to you. The first word is this, happy Father's Day to those of you who are fathers out there. Happy Father's Day for you watching online. Yes, I actually have a suit coat, then I was going to wear it, but then I came in and Becca was like, you look nice. I'm like, yeah, it's Father's Day. I'm going with the t-shirt today. (laughs) People are going to be upset, but I don't care. It's Father's Day. I got four kids. I earned the t-shirt today. (laughs) Father's Day. I'll go put the jacket on later. Okay. (laughs) Happy Father's Day. I'm so thankful for my father. I'm so thankful for strong fathers in our world today. They're needed. I want to challenge you fathers to be men of God. Okay? Show the world what it looks like to have the father's heart. Okay? Let's keep doing that. This world needs to see strong fathers who follow the Lord with all of their heart, with all of their mind, with all of themselves. Okay? So that's your challenge today. Uh, The Lord loves you. He wants to use you in powerful ways. So praise God for that. The second way that I want to lend my voice today is this, is that actually 157 years ago, which isn't that long, 157 years ago on June 19th, 1865, Union General Gordon Granger marched into Galveston, Texas to read the Emancipation Proclamation that had been written and signed two and a half years earlier But finally, it was getting to Galveston, Texas, and this marks the day today, this Sunday, where the last slaves heard that they were freed. And we celebrate that today. We celebrate freedom. We celebrate that the Lord has freed us in his son, Jesus Christ. And we believe on this day, 157 years ago, that the Lord was pleased with that as he saw people being freed. We want people to be freed. We want people to be free to worship him, free to be in community together, in diversity. We love that. We believe that actually that's what heaven's gonna look like, and so we want to see that right now. We love that. We love that here at Walnut Hill, and so I just wanted to lend my voice to just celebrating uh, this day that marks a day of freedom Let's continue to work towards that freedom and that, um, that unity uh, together as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Words matter, don't they? Words matter. You know, I have a story about words in my own life, and each one of you have stories about how words have affected you. And we have stories about how words have affected us positively, and we have stories of how they have affected us negatively. In vulnerability, I want to share a little bit of my story with you. Just a couple things. You know, I'm so thankful in the positive sense that I have parents who have always encouraged me, supported me, loved me, uh, giving me, given me wonderful words 
I think throughout the years, my mom has written lots of different cards to me, probably to even many of you, actually. I remember when Craig Adam and I stepped into our leadership positions, we had this celebration with our staff, and they gave us each one of these jars. And in the jar, there are words of affirmation and and positive words and and words of encouragement to us. And and I got to tell you, these words mean a lot to me. I, I, I don't carry them around everywhere I go, but they're in my office. And I have to tell you, there are some days that maybe aren't as good days. I go to this little jar and I open it up and I pull one of these pieces of paper out and I read it. Because it helps me remember, you know, who I am. It helps me remember that I'm, I'm loved. Now, these were given six years ago, so I'm just trusting that they still believe it. Okay, they still believe it. I remember on my 40th birthday, Becca threw me a, a birthday party and we had a bunch of our friends over and they were told not to bring a physical gift but to bring a word of encouragement or a word from the Lord. We sat around on my patio for hours talking and sharing words of encouragement. That was such a blessing to me. I'll never forget that night. In fact, Adam recorded it and I still have the recording. Just this week, three of my friends called me and gave me words of encouragement. Such a blessing. Do you remember those times in your life where somebody spoke into your life and it was just such an encouragement? Maybe it changed the whole course of your day, week, month, maybe even year. Do you remember those times? In a similar way, we hear words that are hard to hear, don't we? Some words, some careless words oftentimes from other people that really wound and hurt us, don't we? Have you heard some of those words as well? I remember when I was younger, um, about eight years old, eight or nine years old, I had to have some special help for math and and one of the uh, teachers came in to get me and pulled me out and, and she said, you know what, Brian, I'm gonna need to meet with you every week because you're slower than the other kids. I still remember that word. A lot of times I have to shake that word when things hit me the wrong way. That was a hard word to hear. Hard word to hear. I remember right before we came into church leadership here, Craig, Adam and I, we did a church survey. And uh, people were answering different questions and you could write different things in. And, and we went through every single answer. We really wanted to see where we should go with the church, what people thought of this new leadership structure. And I remember one person wrote, I hope Brian doesn't become the lead pastor because he's boring. If you're still here. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Good for you. Like you should, you should be applauded for still being here. Six years of boring sermons. <laughs> oh man, you know, these words hurt, right? These words hurt. I've had people say to me, "You know what, Brian? Your messages—they're too simple. They lack depth. Where's your courage, Brian?" I've heard people say, "You're almost as good as the last guy." Well, I think he was pretty good. So. <laughs> Words matter, don't they? Words have power. They can heal or they can hurt. They can direct you in in one of many different directions. Here's what I want to say to you, friends. As followers of Jesus, I want to speak to you as Christ followers in this moment. 
We need to be the people who use words wisely. And so as a Christ follower, we're actually called to a higher calling. So welcome to that. Uh, We should be the ones who use our words wisely. We need to be the ones who pause and ask the Lord before we speak. We need to be the ones who understand that our words have the power to change a person's life for the good or for the bad. We need to be the ones who refuse to casually and carelessly fling our words around. I remember playing Little League Baseball, and I was on this team, there's this one guy, his name was James, and he played right field, like almost out of bounds right field. You know, we just barely got him onto the field. Whenever James had the ball near him, and he grabbed the ball, and he wouldn't look, and he would just throw it. Wherever it would go, it would go. I remember watching parents in the stands, like ducking. You had no idea where this thing was going to go. He just took the ball and he carelessly flung it around. Let that not be our words as Christ followers, where people are taking cover whenever we speak, not knowing where we're going to go, what we're going to say, whether it's going to heal or hurt Let us be a people that, man, I want to get around these people because every time I'm with them, man, I'm better off for it. We need to be people who speak on purpose for a purpose, knowing and trusting that through the words that we give, the kingdom can either be, the kingdom of God can either be built up or torn down. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about the power of words and how words matter. I love right in the very beginning in Genesis chapter one, as God is creating the earth, he speaks creation into being. He says, let there be light, and there's light. You can see the power of words, how words matter. You see just a couple chapters later that in Genesis three, that the Lord's not the only one speaking, but the serpent comes, the evil one comes and speaks sows lies. Did God really say that? Speaking. We, we constantly have this where we're being tempted, where the evil one's trying to sow these words of doubt, these questions into our hearts. I love, though, even after the fall, how God comes to find Adam and Eve. And Scripture tells us that he calls out, where are you? Again, he's using his voice because words, they matter. Do you know two of the Ten Commandments refer to sins of the tongue? The third commandment, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The ninth commandment, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You might remember a couple weeks ago, I did a sermon called The Things God Hates, Proverbs chapter 6. It says these six things God hates. No, these seven Of those seven, three of them have to do with the tongue. He hates a lying tongue, a false witness that pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in the family. Scripture talks specifically and clearly about the dangers of our speech. Scripture talks about lying, about stirring up division, about gossip, about slander, about breaking confidence, about cursing, about using God's name in vain, filthy language, flattery, 
a proud tongue, an overused tongue, a silent tongue, a piercing tongue, a quick tongue. Over and over and over again, the Lord is warning us about the dangers of our speech. Words matter. Jesus is the best example of how to use words. A master, perfect, powerful with his words. I'm reminded of of Jesus and how he is in the boat when there's this great storm happening and everyone's afraid, but not Jesus. And what does he do? He doesn't just motion. He doesn't just say, oh, he speaks out. He rebukes the wind and the waves, speaks to them. Words matter. I remember how Jesus, how he, he comes to Lazarus' grave days late in everybody else's mind. What's he do? He calls out to Lazarus, come out. He uses his voice. Why? Because words matter. There's power in our words. And one of Christ's strongest warnings was about how we use our words. He says this in Matthew 12. I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. For Jesus, words matter. I want to take you to Proverbs 15 and share three lessons from this passage about the power of our words. And the first is this. The first lesson is this. How you speak matters. How you speak. Listen to this in verse one again. It says, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. This passage is not so much about what we say, it's about how we say it. And how we speak matters. I love this quote, it's from an unknown author. It says, words are free, it's how you use them that may cost you. Isn't that true? I might summarize it this way, you don't have to pay for your words, but you might pay for your words. How you say them matters. I love this passage. It says, a gentle answer deflects anger. This is the posture in which we say our words. Now, gentle does not mean that every word will be easy for that other person. Gentle also doesn't mean that you have to hold back the truth. Gentle might not also mean that that you avoid every hard conversation. That's not what scripture is teaching us. No, you might have very hard and challenging conversations that you need to have, but the posture that you're to have them in is one of gentleness, with peace in your heart. You see, a wise person speaks with love in their heart for that other person. Proverbs 12, 18 says, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing, healing. Now the opposite is harsh words make tempers flare. Harsh words are given to hurt someone, to attack them, to make them feel less than. Again, we're not talking about withholding truth. We're talking about the posture in which we bring things. You know, one of the passages that teaches us all about how to use our speech is James chapter 3. I'd encourage you to read that in your own time. James chapter three, verses one through 15 teaches us a lot about how to use our words. There are several illustrations that James gives. This is one of them. 
James 5, verses 5 through 6. It says this, A tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Wow, what an analogy, right? What a picture. That actually our our words, it's like a spark. A spark that can set off a great forest fire, burning everything down. Here's the thing. You know, at our house, in the COVID season, I built a fire pit. We love sitting around the fire pit. We'd have friends come over and we'd sit there. We'd spend long evenings sitting around our fire pit talking. I love the warmth of a fire. I love the glow of the fire. I love the atmosphere that the fire sets. But here's the thing about that kind of fire is that that kind of fire is contained and controlled. You take that same fire and if it's not contained and controlled, it will burn my house down. It'll burn everything that I have to the ground. And this is the truth of our tongue as well. Is that our tongue can bring warmth into people's life. It can set an atmosphere, an environment that's healthy and good for people. Or it can burn everything down. Everything down. Words can destroy They can destroy friendships. They can destroy families. They can destroy marriages. They destroy relationships. They can destroy opportunities. They can destroy the responsibilities you've been given. They can destroy the kingdom of God work that the Lord wants to do in and through you. So how can we get better at the how? How can we get better at using our words wisely? Let me give you three pieces of advice. First, let's be people who ask God for help. Let's not be too proud. Let's be people who ask God for help in this space. And when I say this, I'm talking with your specific words, but also more generally speaking. Let's let's be people who ask God for specific words. Lord, I'm going into this meeting today. I know it's going to be challenging. It hasn't gone well in the past. Give me your words. Give me insight into this moment. Take the time to pause and ask God what you should say. I believe he's going to care about that. But more generally as well, Lord, I need your help in the people I'm gonna encounter that I I don't know about yet, the things that are gonna be said to me that I can't anticipate, Lord, give me a a tongue that's gonna speak wisely, that's not just gonna react, but it's gonna respond with love and grace and mercy. Lord, give me words today, your words, that's gonna bring healing, not gonna be crushing. Second, How do we get better at the how? We need to walk closely to Jesus. Walk closely with Jesus. Our words will adjust the more we walk in the presence of Jesus day by day. Have you ever watched a movie with your mother that you thought was appropriate? Have you ever been in the company of somebody that 
you just notice, wow, my language has changed because of who I'm with. When, everybody's, whenever somebody's with me and then they find out I'm a pastor, their language adjusts really quick. <laughs> we are in the presence of Jesus. He is with us. The more that we understand and are aware that we're in the presence of Jesus, our words, our language is going to adjust and for the better. Spend time with him. Walk closely with him. Third, pray for a deeper love. When we truly develop a love for people, our words for them and about them will change. Have you ever tried this with somebody that you're, you're, you're having a struggle with? Have you ever tried praying for them? And then how all of a sudden your attitude and the words you're using about them adjust, don't they? Yeah, pray for that person. Pray for that situation. Ask the Lord to give you a greater love for them. And as he gives you a greater love for them, your words will adjust. Pray for people before you speak to people. I love this equation that Pastor Rick Warren gave. He's the pastor at Saddleback Church in California, and he gave this equation. He says, truth plus tact plus timing equals transformation. I adjusted it a little bit and added this. God time plus truth plus tact plus good timing equals transformation. What I mean by that is if we're spending time with the Lord, then we're bringing truth into our conversations. We're doing it tactfully and we're doing it in the right timing. It's going to bring transformation. This is a good equation to put your words through. Second lesson I want to share with you is this. Not only how you speak matters, but what you say matters. Verse two says, the tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. I love how the Proverbs are so clear. <laughs> the tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing. Do you know what this part of the passage is about? It's about evangelism. It's about making the knowledge of God appealing. That actually the knowledge of who God is, is appealing when it's coming from the wisdom of a person, not the foolishness of a person. When we use wisdom with our words, it leads people to Jesus. When we've prayed, when we've asked God for words to share and we go and share them, they can unlock and open any heart. But the opposite is true. When we speak from foolishness, foolishness it's received as foolishness <laughs> and now all of a sudden you have people going why would I believe what that fool is saying to me why would I believe what they're saying this good news they're communicating why would I believe them when it hasn't apparently affected their life their speech their attitude it's foolishness but when we speak words of wisdom it reveals and it becomes appealing and attractive to people. I love it in Luke 9, it's the story of Jesus sending out the 12 disciples and it says that he sent them out to tell everyone. So Jesus is sending them out to speak words. And then he says it's to tell everyone about what? The kingdom of God. 
That this is where our speech and our words should be. They should be in the kingdom of God. They should be speaking about the kingdom of God and they should be reflecting the kingdom of God. Just a few verses later in chapter 10 of Luke's gospel, Jesus sends out the 72, again, to go out and speak about the kingdom. When they come back, it says this, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us. Now catch this, in your name. That this is where our speech should be in the name of, of Jesus. We've been sent out, friends. And our role is to speak in the name of Jesus. We should be speaking like Jesus. We should be speaking about the things of Jesus. What you say matters. Third and final point. What you've said matters. In fact, what you've said will direct you. In verse four, it says this, gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Wise words are life-giving. Foolish words are crushing. Wise words are like seeds that can sprout up new life. Foolish words are like seeds too, that cause destruction, weeds that choke out life. Every word is like a seed that you're planting. And so what are you planting? Wise word develop good fruit. Foolish words produce bad fruit. And foolish words are costly. A foolish word costs us and it costs God's kingdom. How many of you can remember a time where you've used your words foolishly and it cost you? It cost you in your marriage. It cost you in your friendship. Maybe it cost you an opportunity. It cost you a responsibility. It cost you a position. They cost us. James gives two pictures here in chapter three. And the first is a picture of a big ship with just a small rudder. And he likens this to the tongue. Our tongue, it's small, but it can direct the ship where it needs to go. With our words, actually, what we communicate, what we have said, it determines where we're going. It guides us to where we're going to be. Just like this rudder on the ship guides and directs the ship. In how we speak, it can guide us to where we're going to go. The second part that, or illustration that James uses is of a bit in a horse's mouth. And that bit, just that small bit can direct and guide the horse wherever it needs to go. I was thinking about this bit in a horse's mouth, and I began to wonder, what bit is in my mouth? What bit is in your mouth? What's directing you where you're going? What's guiding you right now? Maybe you have the bit in your mouth that needs to be liked. And so that's directing everywhere you go. I have to be liked I have to be loved. <laughs> I, I need affirmation. And so that bit now is guiding you wherever you go. Maybe you're even compromising on truth because I just have to be liked. Maybe the bit in your mouth is the bit that feels unworthy. And that's guiding you wherever you go. Oh, I'm not worthy to do this. No, I, I can't do this. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not lovable enough. No, 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 I can't do it. And that bit is guiding you and directing you wherever you go. Maybe you have the bit of success at all costs in your mouth right now. I have to succeed. I must succeed. I can't fail, no matter the cost. 
Maybe you have the bit of jealousy or the bit of envy or the bit of pride in your mouth. Maybe you have a bit in your mouth that's a past hurt. It's directing you wherever you go, a past offense. Maybe you have the bit of fear in your mouth. I can't. I couldn't. Friends, the Lord is calling us to submit and surrender to him. That when we make King Jesus the king of our lives, he will direct our paths. Actually, he will bring us into places we never thought or could ever imagine. When we speak truth, words of Jesus will be directed to the person of Jesus, into his presence. What you've said will direct you. Let me just close by saying a couple more things. The first is this. There's a deeper issue here. And the deeper issue is this, is that this actually isn't just a message about the tongue, it's a message about the heart. That's really what this is really about because a good heart produces good things. I love in James three it says, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. What's in your heart? What's in your heart? The deeper issue is the condition of the heart. What's in the well? What are you drawing from? It's about the heart. Luke 6 says a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. Where's your heart right now? Where are you spending your time right now? With who? I want to ask three questions as the worship team comes up and prepares to lead us in in worship. I want to ask three questions of you that just are points of application. And here they are for all of you online, for all of you in the room today. My first question is this, what words are you using with Jesus right now? What words? Do you know that our praise can bring healing to ourselves? As we give thanks to the Lord, it actually relieves stress. Actually, as we enter into worship, this is a place of healing for us. That the Lord created us to be worshipers. What words are you using with Jesus? How are you praising him today? Second question, what words are you using about yourself? Are they true? Are they true words? Do you know that you've been created in the image of God? That you are a child of God? That you have a great purpose? That you are a person of worth? That the Lord has gifted you uniquely? That he loves you? This is who you are. You're a son. You're a daughter of the king. Begin to use those kinds of words about yourself. And finally, what words are you using about others? Ask God to give you a new language for those that you're struggling with. Ask God to give you a new love for those who are around you. And begin to use wise words that bring healing, not foolish words that crush the spirit. I pray that we would be the ones, we would be the ones as Christ followers who use our words wisely. I pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen.